on today's show. We have people on our island uh, who who insist that they are descended from Menahuni. And then I found that, that in fact, the Menahuni perhaps had taken on the persona of a number of other magical, mythical creatures from Hawaii. Hello, welcome to Mystical Magical Creatures. I'm Beth. And I'm Erica. And tonight we are talking about a very fascinating subject. And we're so excited to talk to our guest. Erica and I have been waiting a long time to talk to him. Yes, very excited. (laughs) And we've been talking about this subject for a while. So tonight we're talking about a mythical people from Hawaii. So Hawaiian legend has it that many centuries ago, the Menahuni were a mischievous group of small people or dwarves who lived hidden in the forests and valleys of the islands before the first settlers arrived from Polynesia. So there's lots more to unpack about them. Oh, for sure. And tonight we're so excited because we are talking to Jan Tenbruggenkade. He is a veteran Hawaii journalist. For several decades, he was the Kauai Bureau Chief and Science and Environmental Writer for the Honolulu Advertiser. He's the author of a number of nonfiction books, including The Menahuni Mystery and one Western, Rafferty, written under the pseudonym Pete Bridger. He's a martial artist, a Hawaiian canoe paddling coach, a sailor, a communications consultant, and the president of a nonprofit community group rebuilding a 600-year-old Hawaiian fish pond. He also serves on the elected board of directors of the island's electric company, Kauai Island Utility Cooperative, which is one of the nation's leading utilities transitioning to renewable energy. Wow. Jan! We're so impressed with you, and thank you for coming on our show. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, obviously, I don't like to get bored. (laughs) No. (laughs) Such an impressive bio. You're doing so many things. So many wonderful Um, and amazing things. Yes, yes. Love it. We're going to have to ask you some questions since you are a paddling instructor, Um, but we'll do that later. But first. (laughs) I know where you're going with that, Beth. (laughs) I know. Uh, We're going to surprise them at the end with that. (laughs) But um, but so first, Jen, can you just tell us, now you wrote about these mythical people. Tell us who they are to begin with for people that might not have heard of them. So uh, the Menehune, uh, when I was growing up um, half a century ago, uh, were generally understood to be invisible, magical, little people. Uh, Some people could see them, some people couldn't, uh, who uh, uh, did curious and sometimes mischievous things. So Hmm. if you were working at a construction site and you moved a big stone out of the way, the next morning it would be rolled back to where it had been. Oh, wow. And, well, that was clearly the Menahuni. Uh, if you're in your house and you misplace your glasses and they're gone, uh, and then later you find them on the other side of the room or in another room, oh, there must have been the Menahuni. They were, they were, <laughs> they were messing with you. Um, they, uh, all sorts of things like that. They also had a reputation for being remarkably hardworking, um, uh, generally quiet, uh, and and able to do amazing public works projects in the space of a single night. Oh. Um, 
So th there were, that was the tradition, and uh, I was raised with that. And, and I live on the island of Kauai and have for 50 years, where um, many of the, the, the oldest Menahuni stories uh, originated. Uh, and they involve places that are still around, including the fish pond that I'm, I'm helping uh, with a community group to, to rebuild. Um, and um, uh, so I, I, was, I was fascinated with where this story came from. Uh, and in part, I was fascinated because in my, in my research into uh, uh, early Hawaiian language newspapers, uh, early, early books by Westerners who came to the islands, I don't even find the word Menahone before about 1850. Hmm. So oh, wow. where did this come from? Um, and and so uh, I, I spent a, well, probably 20 years um, in between my regular activities uh, <laughs> trying to figure out, uh, you know, getting to the bottom of this of this strange story. I mean, we have people on our island uh, who who insist that they are descended from Menno. Wow. Um, there, there are traditions that the original Menahuni story involved normal, full-sized human beings who were just who, who were uh, uh, early construction workers uh, okay. who did who actually did kinds of things. Uh, and then I found that that in fact the Menahuni perhaps had taken on the persona of a number of other magical mythical creatures from Hawaii there were there were a whole group of people called the Mu who uh, who were small and quiet or noisy or uh, <laughs> who, lived in the, who, who lived in the forest um, there were uh, there were Hawaiian uh, uh, people called the uh, the uh, kupua who were shapeshifters they could change oh. change uh, you know, a famous kupua was a, a, a demigod named Kamapua who could change from human form to that of a, a rampaging uh, boar, a pig, and uh, oh, wow. or or he could be certain kinds of plants. He could change change his shape. Uh, there were there were uh, Hawaiian creatures uh, or or people called the Aepa who were kind of monsters, um, mm. misshapen, uh, scary. Uh, yeah. and, and so all of these traditions of all these different little people and scary people and, and shapeshifters and demigods, uh, many of those stories got kind of wrapped into the Menahuni story. Um, and, uh, and uh, I mean, it was just a fascinating uh, project to, to try and track it down. Uh, yeah. And to, I mean, to this day, I mean, I, I feel a little uncomfortable when, as, as you were starting to, uh, to describe this, you know, were they, were they early little people or were they in fact the first residents of Hawaii and la later, uh, uh, later replaced by others? Um, mm. You know, nobody knows. Uh, yeah. What we're what what we're, we're we're collecting all these stories, and some of them make sense, and some of them maybe don't make sense, and some of them are fascinating, uh, and, uh, and and clearly it and and one of the things I found is there may actually be two entirely different trajectories, two different 
stories, one in, involving mainly out of the island of Oahu, uh, humans who were who were special, who were able to do amazing things, uh, mm. but but who were normal sized, and a Kauai tradition of more. Uh, they were more forest sprites, spiritual uh, uh, beings uh, who were uh, who were tended to be small and and uh, who had some similarities with the others. But you know those two traditions blended together. Mm, wow! And, that is... uh, I'll go on and on. So you better stop and <laughs> some questions. I have so many questions. So many questions. Um, that's amazing. Would we, we so. Essentially, if I'm understanding correctly, then, you know, like you said, nobody knows. It's kind of one of those those uh, questions that we're always going to be seeking answers to. But um, one question I have is in your studies, in your research, have you found that uh, are they, as you said, some people have seen them. Are they physical? Are they um, solid? Are they energetic and more transparent? So the 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 story the story evolved over time in 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 my research when they when the stories first started being told uh, they had various characteristics and those characteristics changed over time um, by the the late eighteen hundreds and early to middle nineteen hundreds um, you would get reports of people seeing. Uh, seeing them, mm. uh, they changed in size, but they tended to be like knee high. Mm -hmm. uh, although some, th there are reports of people seeing uh, little people who were only eight or ten inches high. Mm -hmm. Wow! Um, and uh, and who insisted? I, uh, I I have a close friend whose mother absolutely saw one uh, and yeah. chased it, but it disappeared. Wow. Uh, uh, here on the island of Kauai, and uh, and again, as I said earlier, there are people who claim to be uh, um, descended from them. Uh, I, I worked with a woman whose uh, whose grandfather was a small person, mm -hmm. and the word Menahune was stamped on his birth certificate oh, in, wow. the, in the late eighteen hundreds. So was that a recognition of his his lineage from a group of people? Was that a recognition of the fact that he was small? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was that uh, uh, you know what was that? Right. And, and unfortunately, he he had died, so I couldn't ask him. And she either um, hadn't asked him, or chose not to tell me mm. what she knew, um, mm -hmm. because you know those are private family matters. Sure, sure. Do people, if if they are uh, like from um, Menahune descent, are they uh, happy or, or or proud to say that they are, or is it more like kind of under the breath whisper? <laughs> uh, it is no. There, there's a great deal of pride, okay. Uh, okay. but it's not something that is generally spoken of publicly. Uh, I was sitting a few hours ago with with a close friend of mine, Native Hawaiian man, uh, who who uh, is of Menahuni descent, um, and you know, I don't know the stories. Uh, I, I, he's told me that he is, and uh, and uh, I know him to be an honest man, and you know, no no, but he doesn't choose to share a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
Is is he? No, I know this is kind of a weird question, but is he, is he a smaller person? No, he's a big guy. Okay. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's he's probably six feet tall. Oh wow! Um, so so it you know it can be a little bit of a pejorative for small people. Oh yeah, he uh-huh. must. But uh, but the folks who uh, most of the folks who are uh, who, that I know who claim uh, a Menahuni genetic relationship uh, are not small. Uh, although, hmm. you know, th- there is sort of a tendency if if a family is small uh, for some folks to say yeah, they must they must be they must be Menahuni. You know, it's a it's a it's a jumble. It, it is a, uh, you know, one of the things about the story is that it was a purely Hawaiian story in the earliest tellings in the middle 1800s. Uh, and that was the period when there was still a Hawaiian kingdom. The Hawaiian was governed by Hawaiians. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, the culture was strong. Uh, but by the late 1800s, there was a European or American, uh, uh, Scottish, some other uh, non, non-Hawaiian uh, economic force being established in the islands. Um, there was a huge sugar industry started, later a pineapple industry. Um, uh, Europeans were, uh, were increasing in population. At the same time that many Hawaiians, uh, as happened after Columbus with, with Native Americans, were mm-hmm. dying of, of diseases brought by the, uh, the, the newcomers to which they had no or, or limited um, uh, protection, you know, genetic mm-hmm. protection. Um, and, um, and so the, the, the stories got taken up by the Europeans. And the Europeans, and and so you saw early stories of Menahunis who did remarkable things, but who were not necessarily tiny, um, and and you know who were who were interesting in their own ways, but they started to look like magical beings that that Europeans were were more familiar with. They started to look remarkably like men, like leprechauns. Uh, oh. in the stories. So, I mean, there's even one, uh, one famous storyteller in the 1940s, you know, who, who had uh, Menahuni dressed all in green with an emerald headdress. Oh, wow. Well, there, there are no emeralds in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, that, you can see where that story came from came from but it was you know every as you as i i track the story from year to year through books and newspapers and and uh, various publications uh uh you could see every storyteller built on the last and added a little something and uh and pretty soon the the menahuni that uh that i grew up with um uh in hawaii didn't look much like the one that uh, that my playmates' grandparents grew up with. Mm. Uh, the story the story changed. Um, you know, one of the one of the great stories uh, here. Uh, it's a Kauai story. Um, it involves the fish pond, the Alakoko fish pond that that I'm, uh, I and and a whole I mean, hundreds of of Kauai residents work are working to restore it. Um, 
it's it's a story uh, that uh, that there were a couple of chiefs who were building uh, a fish pond out of a out of a bend in a river. They were building a wall across the bend of the river so they could so they could uh, raise uh, basically do aquaculture in mm -hmm. there. Um, and they were having difficulty completing this wall, which needed to be about a half mile long. Um, and, uh, and finally, uh, one of the, one of the residents, uh, who was being, uh, berated by his wife for not doing enough work, um, said, I'll, I'll take care of this. And he, he had relatives who lived in the forest, the Menahune, and he went and talked <laughs> to them and said, if I, if I make you a feast, will you build us our wall? And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. So he set about uh, pulling taro, which is a, uh, a root crop that's, that's um, familiar to anybody who's been in Hawaii. They make the poi out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and catching, catching shrimp in the river. And he made, made a feast. Uh, and the Manahuni agreed to come down. And uh, overnight, they, they completed the wall. And uh, he fed them the feast, and then afterwards they disappeared back into the uh, back into the forest. Uh, and he was he was a hero because he'd gotten the wall built that the the rest of the community hadn't been able to finish. Um, so I mean that's that's kind of one of those stories. There's, there's no indication in the earliest versions of that story that they were anything but uh, normal people. Uh, maybe they were a little magical, mm -hmm. but they were, they were, but they lived in the forest. I mean, one of the key pieces of the Manahone tradition, uh, and this may come out of the Hawaiian tradition of the Mu people as well, um, uh, who may be kind of ancestors or corollaries to uh, occurring at the same time as, as the, as the Manahone is that they lived in the woods, uh, and, and, um, you didn't see them for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it was only certain individuals who might be related to them or, um, had some relationship with them, uh, who could go talk to them and bring them out to do big, uh, public works projects like building mm -hmm. a fish pond wall or building yeah. an aqueduct, which they did on the, uh, there's a remarkable, remarkable aqueduct on the uh, on the west side of Kauai, hmm. commonly called the Menahuni Ditch, um, mm -hmm. which uh, Captain George Vancouver, who was an English explorer in the Pacific in the 1790s, uh, saw and just remarked on. He was amazed by this. There were cut stones built up against the side of an uh, of of a cliff that brought water down a valley. Wow. Uh, just a really remarkable piece of of um, of work. Um, I mean, akin yeah. to some Roman aqueducts. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know, the, one of the old stories was that that was that was you know there was a there was a uh, a man named P and a chief named Ola, and they coordinated uh, a request to the Menahuni who lived up in the forest at mm -hmm. Pu'opai and uh, had them come down and build this aqueduct. And they cut the wow. stone and built this remarkable aqueduct, an amazing piece of work. Um, do, do you know, was that late, also built overnight? Uh, according to some of the stories, it was built okay. overnight. 
Yeah. Wow. They, okay. And, and I mean, the, there, there are various versions of these stories, but one of the stories is that uh, um, the Menahuni who, who, you know, protected their privacy told mm -hmm. chief, um, uh, we don't want any noise. We don't want anybody watching us. So you will put your, your roosters in calabashes. Uh, calabash is a, is a, like a big gourd that mm. was used for carrying things. So you would hide your roosters in the calabash so they don't crow and bother mm -hmm. us while we're working. Uh, <laughs> you will, you will yourselves stay in your huts. You will keep your doors closed. So nobody comes yeah. out and stares at us and yeah. you let us do our work. And in the morning you feed us our feast, which is shrimp and, and poi and, and, uh, uh, and they did that. And then they, they, uh, uh, left uh, the coastal area where they'd done all that work and went back into the forest. And they say that they wow. cheered as they were walking into the forest <laughs> and that miles away fish, having heard this loud cheer, jumped out of the, uh, jumped out of the rivers and the, uh, and the fish ponds. Oh my gosh. Now, I love is, that. Oh, sorry. Isn't there a, um, also a story that um, two children were spying on uh, the Menahuni doing some work and then they turned them into stone and there are these two pillars somewhere. Well, that's, uh, that may be a story, but I have oh, okay. a version of that story. <laughs> so there was, there were a, a, a pair of chiefs, a brother and a sister. His name was Alakoko. Her name was Kalala Lehua. And they each wanted a fish pond and they arranged with, and you'll see a connection with the last story. They arranged with the Menahuni from the forest for the for the construction of the fish ponds, and uh, in a similar way, the Menahuni said, "Okay, the deal is this: you're going to feed us afterwards, and no one will watch. No one must look at us under any circumstances while we're working in the night." And um, the the chief and his sister. Uh, Alakoko and Kalala Lehua were just too curious. They couldn't stand it. So as the work was being done on the Alakoko fish pond wall, they climbed up behind a ridge and peered over the ridge uh, at the workers. And the Menahuni immediately turned them to stone. And even to this day, as you stand at the lookout over the fish pond, if you look up, you can see these two pillars of stone on the edge of the ridge. And those are uh, Alakoko and Kalala Lehua, uh, the brother and sister who were turned to stone. Well, if you listen to that story, it sounds a little like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and the pillars of salt. Um, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, they looked mm -hmm. back. And so was this a version of the story that, that drew out of the Christian traditions that showed up with the missionaries in Hawaii in 1820 or 22. Um, mm. We don't know, you know, yeah. or did it have older roots? Um, but it's, it's, you know, one of the many stories and, and, uh, you know, your version was a little different, but you know, every version of the Menoni stories that you hear is a little different. And that's an indication of how old the stories are. Mm. You know, yeah. if, if they'd just been invented yesterday, they would all be the same. Uh, right. But these right. these these stories are more than a hundred years old. Some of them a hundred and fifty years old. So they're really interesting um, uh, tales. Yeah. Now I have a question: If they are real, um, and they do not want to be seen to be working at night, what do you th just your personal opinion? 
why why don't they want to be seen? What are they doing <laughs> that we can't see? <laughs> they're doing well, magic. magic. <laughs> yeah, I think the sense the sense is no. They're, it's not magic. It's really hard work. They're, they're in in all the traditions. They, I mean, the 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 ability to turn people into stone. That story showed up in the 1900s. It it it's not one of the older stories. Um, the uh, uh, around 1900 they gained the ability to become invisible or they were invisible to people who weren't related to them mm. uh, so that's why you and I couldn't see them but Hawaiians could see them mm. or some of the stories it's only those Hawaiians who were related to them so my friend that I was talking with earlier today who was related he would be able to see them but I couldn't mm. um, so the the yeah, the, the the story developed over time. Hmm. Um, I I wonder are are there any uh, more modern day stories of of the Manahuni um, by younger generations or or anything to this day? The the um, you know when I was a kid there was a lot of Manahuni stories but it was a time before television and a time before podcasts mm. and a time before, <laughs> you know, uh, phones that you, you could hold in your hand and carry anywhere you went. Um, so on the one hand, no, the, the, the story has seems to have subsided on the other hand. Um, there is, a, it is a famous a f a favorite topic topic for children's story authors. So there are lots of children's books about Menahuni. Yeah. And, and because of both their smallness and uh, their, their uprightness and their strength and, you know, go get it attitude, um, they are, uh, they, there are many sports teams that are called Menahuni you know, here on Kauai, yeah. Waimea, yeah. the Waimea High School uh, sports teams are the Menahuni, uh, <laughs> and and that's because they're tough and they yeah. they go and get them. Um, there are uh, uh, clubs that are that are uh, referred to as Menahuni. There are businesses. Um, there's there's a water you can get bottled water if you don't want to drink your tap water, and there's a, <laughs> a, there's the Menahuni Water Company. Uh, why that why Menahuni were associated with the water? I don't know. Uh, maybe because of the Menahuni Ditch, yeah, uh, whose whose Hawaiian name was um, uh, uh, Kikiaola, um, which means spouting water, um, mm. and. Uh, uh, and also being an old structure and and uh, dating way back, it is it has multiple names um, <laughs> because you know older things tend to have have uh, uh, changed over time. So it is called Pepe Ava, or it is called the uh, Menahuni Ditch, or it is called uh, Kiki Aola. Uh, so. But no new like. Um, mysterious public works that have popped up recently or anything. Oh, but I mean, it, it's, it's also true that, uh, uh, I mean, it, it is a Hawaiian tradition. So the, the state of Hawaii Department of Transportation, um, if you wander around the Honolulu uh, International Airport, the Daniel K. Inouye Airport, which seems to be always under construction. I don't know if you've been in an airport. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're always rebuilding something uh, and, they, and they have and they they have uh, they have signs uh, showing uh, little menahuni with hammers over their shoulders oh. and uh, saying men at work or pardon the inconvenience inconvenience yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, you know we are we we take we take that uh, that that tradition seriously we we had a uh, a, uh, a political scandal of of sorts here years ago um, where uh, uh, someone had built a bunch of houses where on land where they couldn't build houses and mm -hmm. uh, and then one day the houses had disappeared and oh. they were asked you know, what happened to the houses oh the menahuni must have taken them <laughs> so. Interesting. Wow. I know. I, w I wanted to go back real quick to the way they look because um, you said that in the 1900s they kind of started looking more like leprechauns. But what yeah. what are the more traditional? What do they look like when they were the more traditional Menahuni? The well, the you know, the, in the earliest stories there is no reference to size. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, so. So you assume they were just regular people. And, and one of the traditions out of which the Menahuni uh, stories may have come is from Tahiti. So the T Tahitian is a, Tahiti is a Polynesian culture just as Hawaii is. And uh, there are some suggestions that, that Hawaii may have been populated from Tahiti uh, uh, or, or other islands in the area. So Tahiti has a term uh, the term in Hawaii is different, called manahune. So manahune is a lower-ranking working person who doesn't own land uh, mm -hmm. in, in Tahiti. Um, so they're the people who you would get to build walls, to, to build fish ponds, to build things. And um, there was a lot of contact uh, between Tahiti and Hawaii uh, 800 years ago, and then the voyaging stopped, and then in the European period, uh, there can there was a lot of voy contact again. So, did the name come from Tahiti, and then uh, as as simply lower ranking lower ranking people, the the Hawaiian term for that same thing is makaainana. Um, so that they're the the, the 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 working class, the farmers, the the, the carpenters, the stone workers. Um, so. So that's where the term may have come from, but it's clear that there were traditions using different names for magical little people. The, the magical little people were always here. They were just not called yeah. Menahune, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so the the Mu people uh, who are, and there are there are tribes and tribes of Mu. There are the Mu Aimaya, the banana eating Mu, and there <laughs> are there are the the loud voiced Mu and the silent Mu and the hairy Mu and the hairless Mu. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so there, there were all these traditions of people in the forest, and, and were they children's wow. story, or or was there something else going on? There's some suggestion that that uh, it may have been a kind of um, of cultural memory, because in mm -hmm. fact, uh, I don't know if you've followed this, but uh, there is a tradition on the island of Flores in the um, uh, in the Western Pacific. Where they they had a little, uh, uh, they found bones of a people that they called the hobbits, um, oh. and they only found like fifteen years ago. You can look it up. The the hobbits of the wow. island of Flores. They're found in a cave, and they were 
they were small. They were only like four feet tall and their bones wow. were smaller and they were, you know, based on the bones, they were, you know, they predated uh, Homo sapiens. Oh, uh, but they wow. were small and and they lived until comparatively recently within the last few tens of thousands of years. Huh. Uh, and Flores is an island that the Polynesians may have traveled through on their way into the into the Pacific. So the Polynesians populated the Pacific within the last 5000 years. Did they come across little people that became mm -hmm. part of then their cultural history? Mm -hmm. um, there's also a cave in uh, another island in the in the Western Pacific where there were small people and maybe they were malnourished but they were the, the bones were physically small yeah. uh, and uh, you know did that memory get into the cultural history of the islands yeah. so that so that uh, it got carried on well maybe that's the case but then how do you explain the fact that that uh, you know Norwegians have gnomes and and uh, Irish have leprechauns <laughs> and, yeah. and um, the Scots I think have brownies the, the, I mean everybody seems to have little people Yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what is it about us as a species that that we have, you know, maybe it's somebody just saw children running in the forest and said, oh, that, <laughs> you know, what was that? I don't know what that was and came up with stories around it. But but every culture seems to have it. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. there's something there. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Well, and you're and you said yourself that your friend chased one. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah. friend's mother. Yeah, your friend's mother, right? Um, yeah, and the, and there and you know those stories. People who have seen them have absolutely seen something. Yeah, um, yeah. it's uh, um, you know I I've never seen one, <laughs> uh, but I've certainly heard interesting sounds in the forest. You know, and ah. maybe they're invisible to me. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a tradition on on this island that uh, you could hear a humming sound when they were around a humming sound in the forest so you're in a you're in a oh. deep forest there's nobody else around you're walking down a quiet trail and suddenly you'll hear this humming sound you know is that bees wow is that manahuni the truth that you know that one of the traditional um explanations was no that's that's the manahuni they're they're letting you know that you're there Oh wow! Is it a, like have have you ever heard the humming yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh wow! Really? Wow! Is not, it like a not deep? every time either? So it's it's okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what does it what does it sound like if you could compare it to something for for those of us listening that have never been? Deep oh, in the it's, you know, it's it's like I, I you know I I used to keep bees, so mm -hmm. um, you know you you walk by your bees and uh, and you know you have. You have hives of of calm bees, and uh, you occasionally get hives of uh, uh, aggressive bees. Who, mm. You know, if you mm -hmm. if you if you tap on on the top of a hive of an aggressive bee, it, it'll suddenly start humming, mm. and you can hear it. And they and the guard bees start coming out, and they'll come oh, after wow. you. Um, and uh, so it's it's but. The humming in the forest isn't isn't malevolent in in it's not scary in that way. It's just this. There's something out there. Are they? I mean, there are native Hawaiian bees. They're not they're not hiving bees. 
they're not uh, they don't form uh, big community hives they're not honey making bees uh, mm-hmm. but there are there are native Hawaiian bees and um, uh, so is it that is it them I don't know mm-hmm. is it Manahuni I don't know I'd like oh, to think it's Manahuni. <laughs> yeah. The smaller Manahuni sound a lot like fairies. Is there a difference between the Manahuni and traditional fairies, the way we think of them? That That's a good question. Um, and, and the answer, of course, is yes and no. Um, so the Manahuni are... Uh, uh, you know, as as I discussed, changed the the sort of the co- popular conception of Manahuni changed over time, uh, and some of the early references, European references, uh, uh, Westerners referred to them as Hawaiian fairies or forest creatures or magical creatures. So that term has been used. Um, in, in the progression from the earliest Hawaiian descriptions of uh, these hardworking uh, uh, people who lived in the woods, uh, the, 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 the uh, progression went through normal people to, uh, to uh, dwarves. Uh, dwarves are still human. They're just mm-hmm. short. Um, and, uh, but as, as I followed the, the descriptions, the Western descriptions, um, you know, somebody would say they were, they were dwarves. And then the next person would say they were elves. Now elves are magical. Dwarves are not magical. Uh, and, and so the, the, the definitions changed as time went on. So, uh, are they fairies? Yes. In some stories, they are very fairy-like. Um, uh, and it, it kind of, you know, w- one of the things about about the Menahuni is that since you and I don't know any personally, other than the individuals that that I know who who are descended from Menahuni or say they are, um, uh, one of the things that's that's that occurs is the image of that Menahuni is often unique to that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, so, do they exist? Well, absolutely, they exist in the sense that that um, the perception of the storyteller, um, you know, for 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 some people, um, yeah, that, my my great grandparents were Menahuni, and so therefore I am. For others, um, it's it's a it's a folk tale. Um, uh, so, I mean, you, you hate to sort of be everything for everyone, but in some ways, this ancient story is is that way. Is mm-hmm. is uh, it? Uh, you know, whoever comes to it comes to a different side of the the of the uh, the mythology. Uh, a little mm-hmm. bit like the uh, the the. Uh, the people who uh, who grabbed hold of an elephant, you know, somebody said had the tail said it's like a rope. An elephant is like a rope. And somebody had an ear says it's like a piece of parchment. And somebody who had a leg said it's like a trunk of a tree. Uh, it's which part of it you come up to, and and none of us can really see the whole the whole being, the whole the whole thing. I don't know if that's a useful description, but yeah, it totally is. Well, and then one one more question. They um, some of the pictures of them and stuff. They kind of look they look very tribal, like they have, you know, 
I don't know if it's a grass skirt sometimes or like a headdress on. So I think that's kind of interesting that they have like a lot of times they have this look, there's a picture on the internet of someone who supposedly caught a picture of a Manahuni on their computer, sitting on their computer keyboard. I think it was, yeah. who knows if that's a real picture or not, but you know, it looks like a kind of a tribal man. Yeah. And, um, you know, graphic artists have had a lot of fun with with um, imaging things that, you know, for the most part, they've never seen. Oh, um, right. And and so you you do find uh, menahunis that look like, uh, you know, maybe not Hawaiian even, maybe like Maori warriors. Uh, some of them yeah, do look tribal, but not necessarily Hawaiian tribal. Uh, some of them look very leprechaun-y. Uh, some of the images that I'm familiar with, uh, uh, you know, that they tend to have uh, not to be wearing uh, anything on their upper bodies, but be wearing uh, skirts or or malo, which is a mm-hmm. a, a malo is a is a a covering that's like a breech cloth that, that was uh, used used in Hawaii. Um, so they you find them in all sorts of things. You know, I'm normally barefoot. Um, uh, often working, um, most of the pictures, they're not hairy. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they tend to be smooth skinned. Um, they tend to be very muscular and they are almost never female. That's true. That's true. Yeah, the, the, uh, the imagery, um, uh, the imagery is, uh, is, is almost entirely male. There are a few, there are a few examples of um, of Menahuni women, um, and uh, and some of the stories refer to Menahuni women, but most of the stories aren't about women. They tend to be about about uh, men, and you know that may be a cultural thing from the time. You know, it is the the role of men and women were very different in in uh, the 1800s in Western society anyway than than uh, we would have liked, and certainly different from where the where we are now. I, I also, um, I wonder too, I'd be curious since you are, you know, helping to rebuild the, the pond, um, if, has anyone tried to, like, calling out to them or, or offering a feast to see if they can help with the renovations or repairs? Well, we're not, we're not at that point yet. We may at some point, but uh, we're at, at, at this point, we have a lease on the pond and we're, and we're working okay. to acquire the pond. Um, and, and if we get title to it, uh, then, then we'll, yeah, we may call on our Manahuni friends. I mean, it, it is also true that, that we have a group of volunteers who do just amazing work and they're full size human beings that I, I, I know personally, uh, who, uh, who without fanfare go down and, uh, do clearing and do planting of native species where we've cleared away the alien invasive species and um, uh, just do amazing work. And, and there are Manahuni crew. I love that. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't see them, but we yeah. see the results of their work because you come back the next day and all of this wow. area has been cleared or all of yeah. this work has and these things have been uh, yeah. piled up. That's that's uh, awesome. That's I love it. It's like the Menahuni is also not only potentially a, a mystical, a magical creature, but also it's the spirit 
that resides in each and every person that helps to um, better oh, yeah. the community. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, this is, thank you so yeah. much for talking yeah. to us about this. Now I have to ask you one question before we go, because you're <laughs> on the ocean a lot. Um, and we recently did an, uh, a show about mermaids. And I actually know someone who s claims he saw a mermaid in Hawaii. And so I was just wondering, have you ever seen anything on the ocean? That is Ooh. interesting. I've seen lots of things on the ocean. Um, and, um, okay. but, um, <laughs> but uh, what, so like sharks and stuff, I guess. <laughs> or, or have you seen more mystical things? Oh yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it is the, uh, I mean, the ocean is ever changing. Um, and it is, uh, it can be frightening. I, I mean, I've, I've had experiences with sharks and, and, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, but uh, I've been confused by, by things okay. I've seen, but, uh, but I'm not sure that, uh, that I found things to be, to be, um, mysterious. I, I, I'm not sure I can describe this well, but, uh, so potentially yeah. like a sea monster. It's uh, but no mermaids to for me so far, but that may be because they're yeah. invisible to me. You know, you have you might have to be. So, the right do you person. think that you've seen a sea monster potentially? <laughs> I know that's like <laughs> a big broad question. Sea monster. I I've seen strange things come out of the water, and really? that I can't explain. Uh, I I but sea monster isn't where right. I first go. Um, because because I'm I'm kind of a facts of course, you know yeah. just the facts yeah. ma'am kind of guy, and um, so I I'm I'm before I go to Sea Monster I try and figure out what the options <laughs> could be, uh, and uh, and I, oh, sorry, I have you seen like a tentacle coming out of the water or something? <laughs> well, I've seen wow. tentacles come out of the water, and I've seen you know I've seen strange things. I mean one of the, one of the odd odd little things is I I've seen what looks like a uh, shark's fin cutting through the water, but it's black on one side and white really? on the other side. What could that wow, possibly wow. be? Well, one of the things that one of the things that it could be is the wings of a, a really large manta ray, yeah. because they're white on the bottom yep. and black on the top. And occasionally they'll swim with their fin tips oh, sticking wow. up, <laughs> and you'll see these two side by side fin tips. And are that are those two sharks? Well, how do you yeah. explain those colors? You know. And they're, they're, so, you know, there, there's just all sorts of interesting stuff out there. It's true. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been out paddling a, a one man canoe, uh, on, at the base of some cliffs. There's not another human being within three miles of me and have a, a mother and calf humpback oh, whale come wow. up under me. And, you know, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just using my paddle to stop dead and back up so that, because, a, I don't want to bother them, but B, they're going to break my canoe in no time <laughs> right. at all. You know? That's incredible and terrifying all at the same time. There's, I mean, you spend enough time in the ocean. There's a lot of stuff like that, but it's not unexplained yeah. stuff. It can be yeah. scary. Um, but uh, no more yeah, yeah. to date. <laughs> <laughs> right. there, there is a tradition that there there is a tradition that I I, I think you you'd enjoy uh, in the Hawaiian community of. Um, of when there is a, a momentous event, uh, a birth, a death, 
um, uh, something special that that happens, um, uh, a healing um, of of looking around you, uh, and I think the term is hoelona, and looking around you for a natural emanation, uh, something that tells you, yeah, this was this was beyond us. Uh, this is so so you may you may have have an event like that and an mm -hmm. owl may appear uh, and an owl is mm -hmm. sacred to some some people in the Hawaiian community um, and the owl may just may just mm -hmm. hang around um, there, there may be uh, uh, there may be a cloud formation that's just really odd but you know so that cloud formation confirms maybe a supernatural maybe a special um, uh, event that that happened that it was that it was beyond us um you know and i mean there's they're strange there's a um uh, uh, an associated community group donated a, a canoe to our to our uh, uh, our fish pond building effort and the canoe is named after a hawaiian seabird um, and and you never see those seabirds inland where our fish pond is. But on the day that the canoe was delivered, there was oh, one wow. flying over the river. That's not an accident. <laughs> so, I mean, you you you. I mean, part of part of the thing is, yeah. If you if you expect to see mm. something, you see stuff. So I mean, I saw that bird. Uh, on the day that the canoe was delivered but i didn't yeah. know the canoe was being delivered yeah so it wasn't a it wasn't a freaking yeah. you know it, it wasn't that i hypnotized myself i didn't know the canoe was being delivered but i but i saw yeah. the bird and then later somebody said oh yeah they delivered that canoe its name is koaya and i said well, i just wow. saw koaya you know so it, oh, what's that about well. um so it, it and and you know how does that relate back to Menahuni? You know, so someone saw a Menahuni. What? Yeah. What's that about? Yeah. There's something there. Somebody mm -hmm. saw something. Yeah, definitely. And it, it sounds all very special and magical and amazing. <laughs> That's Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. And so now, if people want to read your book and find out more information about you and read your Western or anything else you've done, how can they get in touch with you or find you? Uh, probably the easiest way, if you're not uh, uh, in bookstores in Hawaii, is uh, probably Amazon. Uh, so the, this book is called Menahuni Mystery, The Original Tales and the Origins of the Myth. And we'll put a link up for that. Uh, and yeah. it's, you know, it's less than 10, I think it's yeah. less than 10 bucks. Oh, okay. So it's it's not a not an expensive book. And the uh, the Western is Rafferty. Um, which is uh, just something I, I used to uh, uh, I used to go to a cabin in the woods and and uh, I used to like to read Louis L'Amour novels mm -hmm. and uh, decided to write write a western because I so appreciated uh, you know, he was a great uh, you know you may not like westerns mm -hmm, but he was a good sure. writer definitely and I'm a writer yeah. uh, so I appreciate somebody who can turn a phrase so. Uh, it's, so I wrote one. I've only written one. I've had people tell me I should write more, but uh, uh, I have to find got a time. lot on your plate. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I've written a couple other books, but if you if you uh, if you look for them on on uh, on Amazon, it'll lead you to the other uh, ones. You'll yeah. find a number. Okay. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us. Well, thanks so much for, for talking to me. I've so enjoyed it. Us too. We really loved having you. It's been a true pleasure. For more information on Jan and the Menahuti Mystery, check for links in the show notes, or you can visit our Facebook page, our Instagram, or email us at mysticalmagicalcreatures at gmail.com. <laughs>